Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Goal to Go on this Monday. Yes, it is. Um, this was originally going to be a two-part episode, and then the second part got so big it needed to be its own part, so that's gonna be a thing for tomorrow. Hooray for me having to go down a deep dive of NFTs and NIL and other such things and getting into really dumb things, and also potentially reaching out to people. We will talk about it tomorrow, but... Anyway, what is the point of this episode? Well, the point of this episode is to try to get through and talk about and make sense of some of the moves that have happened since Brian Kelly was hired as LSU's football coach. And uh, I've split it up into three parts. Um, The coaches that have left, the coaches that have been hired, and then the transfers and the decommits. Actually, that's four parts. I didn't even realize that. And yes, this is probably going to include a long ramble about Max Johnson. In fact, this is almost certainly going to include that because, by God, do I have a lot to say about that one. But that's going to happen when it happens. We're going to start with the coaches because those are important. And mostly the guys who have left since Brian Kelly was hired. We begin with Mickey Joseph. He was the associate head coach and wide receivers coach. He took the same job at Nebraska, his alma mater. Um, He's a damn good recruiter. That's one of the reasons they want him, because Nebraska is bad at football. I don't know if you've noticed from their 3-9 and nine record this past season. Yeah, they weren't great, and so they need to get someone that can recruit guys, and they got Mickey Joseph. He's great. Then we let go of Tommy Moffitt. He was our strength and conditioning coach. He ran the strength and conditioning program for the past 20 years. He'd been there since Saban, and uh, he was let go. There wasn't really anything formal about it. He just was told that he wasn't going to be retained and that Brian Kelly was going to bring in a guy. And uh, you know what? Maybe it was time considering the past two years we've had so many injuries. Just saying. Maybe not great. Uh, Yeah. Then uh, Kevin Falk, the running backs coach, he was not retained. That's likely due to a separate hire. And then Greg McMahon, he retired. He was our special teams coach. He'd been a coach for over 40 years at this point. So good luck to him on his retirement. The biggest news of a coach not being kept on was with Corey Raymond. He's the secondaries coach. He was the defense backs coach. He had been there for 10 years. He was the longest tenured coach on the staff. Um, He... I don't know exactly how everything went, considering I don't know if that's been made public yet, but the way it looks is we offered him some money and it wasn't enough because Florida offered him more and a bigger role. He's now at Florida. He's assistant head coach and uh, defensive backs coach. Um, And frankly, that one's going to hurt a lot. A lot of guys are like, "Mm, why would you let this happen? Like, Raymond has deserved a promotion for years to be another, like, to be an assistant head coach to get more money. Because I think he's getting a huge raise at uh, Florida. I think it's a few hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. It's it's a significant raise. And, like, we weren't willing to give that to him, even though he built up the culture of DBU. Like, LSU had great defensive backs before. But he really solidified what DBU at LSU is supposed to be. Like, there's all this culture stuff from... And I note this a lot. 
it's from what I've read, not from what I know, because I don't live the LSU stuff. Like, I was not actively caring about recruiting or about all of that. I just watched LSU football on Saturdays because it was fun. But you read about it, and Corey Raymond basically built up what we know as the modern culture of what DBU is with all those guys, and now he's taking it over to Florida. The question is, did he build a strong foundation here for the next guy to build off of, or was he the entire thing? I'm hoping it's the first one. I think everyone's hoping it's the first one, because yes, we'll get decent defensive back recruits. I mean, we're LSU. We're going to get decent recruits anyway. Like, we've, we, we, we've, we've been pretty good with that. Um, granted, it can always fall apart. But still, like we, we get decent defensive back recruits, and we'll find our guys, but like that DBU culture is definitely something that's going to be missed, especially going to freaking Florida. Why did it have to be Florida, man? Man, that... It just sucks. That's just the worst one. Of course, with all the subtractions, we got to talk about the additions. Starting with Frank Wilson, who's probably the biggest addition of the bunch. He resigned as head coach at McNeese and then was announced as LSU's running backs coach and assistant head coach. Um, which I think might have been why Raymond didn't take the I mean didn't stay here. Uh, Frank Wilson is well known for being a very good recruiter. That's why he was hired as uh, UTSA's head coach and then fired because he couldn't win there. He has a 12-26 and 26 record as a head coach. He's not exactly been great there. His best thing is just recruiting. Uh, his main specialty is apparently the Metro New Orleans area. So he's the guy who got Leonard Fournette, basically. Yeah, he's the guy who got Leonard Fournette. He's really good. And yeah, him coming back is definitely a huge plus to try and get guys, and not just running backs. Talking about players in general from that area. That's his specialty. Which is kind of sort of nice, considering we may or may not have just lost a guy to Edna Car- uh, from Edna Carr that just went to Bama. Not a fun time. Then you get Jake Flint to replace, or yeah, to replace Tommy Moffat. He's actually pretty young. Like he was at the Combine only a few years ago, and uh, the pictures of him have muscles on muscles. So maybe he's a really good guy. He was. He's going to be the director of athletics development, which I don't know what the hell that means. I, it's something in the strength and conditioning department. But he was co-director of Notre Dame's uh, strength and conditioning program. Before coming here, he had interned at USC. Um, so yeah, he's pretty decent. We get Brian Polian as the special teams coordinator to uh, make up for McMahon's retirement. Uh, Brian Polian had previously been at Notre Dame, so he actually came with Kelly as part of, you know, the whole move. Um, and yes, if you're wondering, he is in fact related to Bill Polian. I believe it's he, he's like his son or something. Um, but yeah, those two are related. Finally, we have a guy who got no title yet, so we have to speculate. It's Kerry Cooks. He is a defensive assistant. That's his title right now, but he doesn't have any sort of official name. Though we can probably take a hint based on the sense that he used to be a DB's coach. He was the former co-defensive coordinator and DB's coach with OU. He was doing that in Notre Dame. And he spent the past two seasons as a defensive analyst up in South Bend. So, yeah. 
that's the uh, that's the thing there. As with the coaches, the coaches really didn't have that much to say. The transfers are a separate matter. Well, there's specifically one of them, but I wonder if you could guess. Uh, this is the players have transferred slash decommitted. We start with defensive lineman Landon Jackson. He was a four-star when he came in. He's a freshman, and he apparently is going to Arkansas. That's from what I saw. All I know is that he entered on the 8th. So that's a thing. Another guy that's transferring is wide receiver Dion Smith. He was a four-star freshman uh, when he came in this year. Uh, he was productive a little bit early in the season, but he hasn't had more than two catches in a game uh, since the Central Michigan game. So I can see that. He might be following Mickey Joseph to uh, Nebraska, but who really knows at this point? The biggest loss was Max Johnson right before the bowl game because, you know, it's right before the bowl game. Fun. Yep, not having a starting quarterback for your bowl game ain't great because now you're forced to either burn a red shirt or start a walk-on. The most preferred method of everything. I have so many thoughts on this and this is all going to require me to say something. I've said in the past things about Max Johnson, like, he ain't it. He just ain't it. And I feel like I need to qualify that now because I've actually had some time to reflect on it. Um, This was actually how I was thinking about it. Not just when he transferred, but, like, after the season was over. Thinking about where we would be. And it's like, you know, maybe I was a bit too hard on the guy. Or at least, maybe the things I was criticizing him for weren't things that are wrong with him in the sense that, like, just him as a quarterback, but are things he needs to be taught not to do. Because this is a very young guy. He's 19. He's younger than me by, like, two years, which totally doesn't weird me out at all. Totally doesn't make me feel like any sort of crazy weirdness of, like, oh, my God, he's, like, so young. Whoa, bro, you are, like, old or something. Nope, none of that. None of that at all. No, that's that's crazy. Why would you even say such a thing? You'd just be an insane man. Anyway, um, he's started 14 games and played a good solid uh, number of snaps in 13 of them. Because I'm not going to count the uh, Arkansas game because Nussmeyer basically started that game. Like, he didn't start the game, but he played the vast majority of it. Except for the first two series, Garrett Nussmeyer was the quarterback for LSU that game. Which I will come back to in a minute. So, he started 14 games. Realistic, I'll just say 13, just to make it easier. He started 13 games in his career. So, he's barely got any experience, and the guys he's been with haven't been great. Like, he gets two games as a freshman, uh, and then he gets all the games this year, except for that one against Arkansas, which I'm not counting, with Jake Peets and DJ Mangus, who frankly are idiots. Or at the very least, they're not idiots, uh, necessarily. They're bad at their jobs. They just are. Jake Peets can go all the way back to Nebraska if he wants to, because he ain't staying on here. As for DJ Mangus, I don't know what the hell you were doing in Carolina. He apparently was the quarterback's coach in Carolina, and considering how well the uh, the Panthers were doing with quarterbacks in 2020, that should have been a red flag. So, that's, that's always fun. Yeah, with Max Johnson, I think that we kind of sort of gave him too much stuff. He shows his flaws, but they are fixable. 
One of his worst flaws that I continued to point out was him throwing off his back foot. I don't even think he's comfortable doing that. I, why? Because most people aren't. Who would be comfortable throwing off their back foot? That's just weird. You want to throw off your front foot. You want to step into your throws. But he didn't. Wonder why that was. Bad play calls were one of them. Uh, having no time to throw the ball was another one of them. Um, receivers not getting open. That was another one. And sometimes it was on him. Having bad instincts. Those are teachable. Those are things that can be taught better. He's young. He's got a very, very workable mind. And he's starting his first full season out of nowhere. So work with him. For the love of everything. Don't walk out of a practice. Like they apparently did. It's like, oh my god. No, work with the guy and actually fix his problems. Do what you're supposed to do. They didn't do that. He's got the problem of holding on to the ball too long, which is one that, by God, does he have that problem. That has a lot to do with, honestly, internal clock. He needs to work on his internal clock because if he doesn't get that fixed, it's going to cause a lot of problems later because, like, you can do this for X amount of time. It gets to a point where you need to have that internal clock down to two and a half seconds. That's the standard. The standard is two and a half seconds. Otherwise, you're going to get sacked. Now, again, sometimes he held on to the ball because the receivers were covered. Sometimes he held on to the ball too long, but he didn't because it was under two and a half seconds and he just got completely swallowed. Sometimes he held on to the ball too long because he thought he could make a play and it turns out he couldn't. Sometimes he held on to the ball too long because he needed routes to develop and they weren't developing. And sometimes he held on to the ball too long because it looked like he should have ran and he didn't. And that was on him. They were, it was partially flaws that he needs to work on and flaws that can be fixed with a better football team. Like, just, uh, Really? And by the way, no run game doesn't help matters. Not having a run game for us was terrible. Not having a reliable run game was awful. Because teams could dictate. They knew when we'd run the ball and they'd stop it. So we had to keep throwing it. It was dumb. And it didn't work. And you know what that led to? It led to a mentality that, frankly, I'm just going to call it. Fuck it, chuck it. That's what I call it. That's the mentality that he seemed to have on a lot of plays. Where basically, he'd have the ball in the pocket. And he was... There was pressure coming. He could feel it. And he was like, you know what? I'm I'm screwed here. I'm just going to chuck this ball deep and hope that a receiver catches up. It would work sometimes. It would get close. Or it would be caught. And he could get away with it. But do you know where this doesn't happen? This is not a thing he did in his, fir- in his first two starts at LSU. He didn't really chuck the ball deep like that. That wasn't something I remembered him doing. I may have to double check. I was like, I have to double check that, but it wasn't a noticeable flaw. Granted, part of that might have been because the receivers were healthy. Like, you got Kayshawn Boutte, you don't really need to do that, you can just find him. Uh, That's how he got a 300-yard game, honestly. It was just, you know, he needs a safety valve, Kayshawn Boutte's open. Whee! Uh, Just 
ugh. The scheme was bad, the O-line was bad, and receivers couldn't get open. So what are you going to do? Throw it deep. I mean, it's, I hate to do this, but it's, I'm comparing him to Teddy Bridgewater. This is a thing that I've been doing internally. It's like, who's the quarterback that, rem- that reminds me most of Max Johnson, and why is it Teddy Bridgewater? A guy who will move out of the pocket sometimes uh, just to get yards, but sometimes also looks afraid to do it, and a guy who f- tries to find a safety valve. His safety valve is not throwing it deep, it's checking it down, but it's the same thing where I noticed that on 3rd and 13, they'll do the same thing. If they're under pressure, they'll do the same thing. Granted, it's not like he's going to take five seconds in the pocket to be comfortable and then throw a check down. No, no, he's he's much better than that. But, yeah, no. And by the way, just we need to talk about the fact that when Keishon Boutte went out, the offense got a little bit... Uh, because when you have that one target that you know can get open, you just throw to him. After that, it's like, oh god, we don't actually have that many talented receivers. Your second most talented receiver is Jack Besh. And he's nowhere like uh, Keishon Boutte. Keishon Boutte is so good that he will be a top 15 draft pick. Jack Besh is a very good receiver who will probably be a first or second rounder. No, second or third rounder, let's be honest about that. But the difference is staggering between the two. And so you lose a lot of production. To explain how much production, I need you to know that despite only playing in six games, Keishon Boutte led the entire team in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns and was second in receptions. Despite playing six games to most other guys, 12. Yes. Now, of course, Jack Besh is like, so he led the team in receiving yards, 500. Jack Besh had 489 touchdowns. He had nine. Jure Jenkins had five. He was second in receptions. He had 38 receptions. Besh had 43. One dude should not be making up that much of your receiving production because otherwise we all know what you are. A bad team. A bad team has only one receiver. Like, I I really don't know how to put it except, well, no. I do know how to put it. I know exactly how to put it. You're like the 2001 Cardinals. If you don't know about the 2001 Cardinals, um, basically, the 01 Cardinals had a man named David Boston. David Boston had 1,598 receiving yards, and the next guy had 698. No, had 618. Based on the pace that Boutte was going on, he was going to have those kinds of numbers, and it would have been that far off. <coughs> Boutte would have probably had 1,000 yards this season, and nobody else would have had 500. I'm serious. He would have had, like, 60 or 70 catches. Or, I'm sorry, he was halfway through the season, and he had 38 catches. He'd have probably had 70 or 80. Because teams would have tried to lock him down. They would have been very difficult, because it's like Keishon Boutte. He can get wide open on you without even you figuring that out um and it just you would have had one guy it's one guy as your offensive production that's not sustainable and it clearly wasn't because he got injured um so without that you kind of get a cast of good-ish receivers that nobody else trusts what did you expect to happen everything kind of falls off maybe if we didn't have a bad scheme 
Did I mention that Jake Pizza's scheme was crap? Okay. Yeah. Also, constant problem with those good-ish receivers dropping the ball. I can't even remember how many times that Max Johnson threw a damn good pass and it was dropped. Had some good passes that were caught. Take a look at his two touchdowns to Dre Jenkins against AM, which were both dimes. Those are two of the best throws I've seen an LSU quarterback make that weren't named Joe Burrow. Um, they were on point. Very, very good. Especially the touchdown. The touchdown was trying to find a guy who's on the sideline and keeping him in bounds to make sure that he can run into the end zone. And it was a very tight window, and he somehow found a way to get it in there. Like, just so perfect. And that's the thing about Max Johnson. He's a very good quarterback if you give him time to develop. He's not a superstar quarterback, but you know what? Most guys aren't. Temper your expectations. You're not going to get Joe Burrow ever again. You aren't. You just aren't. You're never going to see Joe Burrow ever again. I think that's literally what one of the problems is. It's like, oh, he needed to be like this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, mate, you're trying to think that he's going to be Joe Burrow. And I'm talking 2018 Joe Burrow. Like, even that. No. No. You're going to get decent quarterbacks. But they're not going to be elite all the time. And that's fine. You just need to temper your expectations. We made a very good bowl game with Danny Etling as our quarterback. And Danny Etling is honest to God. He's a very good quarterback. He is a good quarterback. Those are your expectations. Danny Etling, not a bad runner. He had legs. He single-handedly got three guys cut on one play in the NFL. Like, I don't know any other guy who's done that. Um, His arm was pretty good. He was decently accurate. He wasn't superstar or spectacular, but he got the job done. There were time... Did he really cost us a game? I don't think so. Just like with Max Johnson, did he really cost us a game? I don't think so. I don't think there was any game this year where if you had a different quarterback in there on our roster, we would have won the game. No, it, it came down to just our offense having a terrible scheme. I'll keep saying that until Jake Peets is gone. Um, terrible scheme. Injuries up the wazoo on the offensive line and with Keishon Boutte. Um, I think Keishon Boutte is the reason we lost a couple of games this year. I'm not even kidding. I think he's genuinely the reason we lost two games this year. Uh, I can't name specifically the two games, but I think we would have had a better chance against Ole Miss. And we might have beaten... Uh, Arkansas would have actually been a win. I think Arkansas was a definitive win with Keishon Boutte because who the hell was going to cover him? Seriously, who the hell was going to cover him? You look at the way that game was progressing. If we had Keishon Boutte out there, we could have run circles around him. Like, yeah. That's how good we were with Keishon Boutte. We could run circles around him. Just get the ball into his hands and watch him go. And he just goes, wee! Um, yeah, that's a thing. And by the way, Nussmeyer isn't that much better. Because when I watched him against Arkansas, I just saw a Max Johnson clone. When I watched him the first time, I'm like, oh, look, it's Max Johnson again. I didn't see anything new from him. I didn't see anything great from him. I didn't see anything terrible from him. I saw Max Johnson, but with a right-handed... I saw Max Johnson throwing righty. That's all I saw. That's really all I saw. He looked like Max Johnson out there. That's not an insult, but I'm just saying you're not getting that much of an improvement. Not for the way he plays. Because he also has a tendency to just do that chuck it thingy. 
and it doesn't work because he's not as accurate. Yeah, that's right. He's not as accurate. And by the way, it's okay because he's a true freshman and not all true freshmen can be Bryce Young. Not all true freshmen can be like Johnny Football. They're true freshmen. This is their first collegiate experience. Not every guy is just, you know, ready. They need time to develop. And they need to be developed well. This is a problem right now with the transfer portal, honest to God. Because you got all these great quarterbacks who think that they can be, like, the starter everywhere. Immediately. You can't. You're not always ready to take it to that level yet. You need some time to develop. You need some time to get those reps. And eventually what will happen is you'll be ready by your junior year, maybe even senior year. And uh, you'll be better off for it because you'll be a better quarterback. And there are so many guys who have done that and have really, you know, succeeded. And I see Kenny Pickett as a great example. Kenny Pickett, you know, stuck around and look what he's done. Matt Corral stuck around and look what he's done. He went from being a third-string quarterback in uh, 2019 to, you know, probably a first-round draft pick coming up. That's pretty incredible. Like, holy cow, is Matt Corral one of the best quarterbacks I got to see this year. I have to say, I didn't know what I was getting. By the way, just random thing. Uh, I didn't see the hype behind Matt Corral at the start of the year. I am so hyped with Matt Corral at the end of the year that he should have been a Heisman finalist. Oh, oh, did I just say that? Yeah, he was that good. There is no way that uh, Ole Miss goes ten and three. I'm sorry, ten and two, without him. He's that good. Like his throws are sometimes ridiculously like. How did you throw that ball there? Okay. But it is whatever. Yeah. So that's all my thing on Max Johnson. I think that I I wish him luck in wherever he chooses to go. As long as it's not in the SEC. Please, God, do not stay in the SEC. Um, And, you know, hey. We're getting a five-star QB next year. If you think that he's going to actually play perfectly, I'm going to punch you. Also, my expectations are now lower for every freshman quarterback. They're freshmen. They should be allowed to make mistakes. They're like rookies in the NFL. But with less time, you know, because of college, weird stuff. Okay, let's get on to the decommits, of which there were only two. DeColdis Crawford. He was a four-star wide receiver. It's likely he goes to Nebraska because of Mickey Joseph, but he tweeted Friday with emoji of an eagle, so likely Auburn, an ear of corn, Nebraska, the horns up hand signal, so for Texas, and a gator, Florida. So those are, I guess, his top four. And yes, I did say emoji as a plural. That's the plural of emoji. It is a Japanese word, not English. Thus, the plural of emoji is emoji. This has been Pointless Facts with Ben. And then there's Jake Johnson, who's Max's brother, and the number one tight end in the upcoming class, and a four-star, and by God, why did we have to lose him? It hurts. Please stay the hell away from Georgia. Yeah. So what does all of this mean for LSU? Let's just, uh, let's just wrap this baby up, because I know I did a really good job of making this totally not, you know, one-sided with basically a bunch of small things in a Max Johnson rant. Well, 
Welcome to a coaching change. This is a major coaching change for LSU. This is one where we're kind of seeing an upending of all this older stuff. We're going to get a bunch of new guys. They're going to be Brian Kelly's guys. And I hope they're all, they're all successful. Yes, they're going to be decommitments. It happens. It happens in every coaching change. And it's fine. It is totally fine. You just got to see where things go. Hey, Frank Wilson's a great hire. Love it. Corey Raymond being let go. That's an unfortunate loss. But we have to see how everything progresses. It sucks, but I think I'm going to deal with it well. Win. Win. Just win. Just win. Winning will solve everything. We'll all forget about it if you win. Expectations for the upcoming year? I feel like for Brian Kelly are you need to win at least eight games. Eight or nine, no, eight or nine games, not including the bowl. So I'm talking eight and four, nine and three, and not including the bowl. If you go ten and three in your first season, that's pretty good. That's really good. A lot of people will be happy with that. Because we went six and six this year, and there's a chance we might go six and seven. But yeah, that's gonna do it for this episode of the. Uh, 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 that's gonna do it for this episode of Gold to Go. Wow, I totally forgot to say things correctly. Yay! And I'm leaving that in for a reason. Um. Yeah. So, if you enjoyed this, uh, hope you share it with others. If you did enjoy it, um, if you wanna. Find me on Twitter. You can find me at capital B E N, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital S, P O R T S. Um, don't forget that tomorrow I'm going to have another episode of this special goal to go thing, but on a different thing entirely. And it'll be a it'll be a whole a whole thing that'll exist. Um, I'm saying all of this to be very you know, obtrusive, because I don't know where it's going to end up going, and so we'll see, but until such a time as that, I've been Ben Schluter, this has been a special episode of Gold to Go, hope you have a fantastic week, and until next time, bye-bye.